Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed podcast. And I'm unimpressed. I haven't met this gentleman yet as many times as I've been in his area. But we have the great Dr. Tony Evans on the show today. And where are you at over there? Are you in what town you at over there in Texas? I'm in Dallas, Big D. Big D. Well, what's going on in your world with uh, the pandemic and everything else is going on? How's how's church going? You've been able to have service and everything like that? We had a few more people each week and we just kind of growing it and keeping our eyes open at the same time, trying to keep people safe as we move forward. Nice. Now, Dr. Tony Evans, he has a very big congregation over there in Texas. He, what, close to 10,000? Yes, sir. You know, when we talk about these changes in churches and, and so forth in live uh, live events, he, he would be affected by it a lot. Did you do anything virtual or anything like that during the time? Or Oh, yeah. We, we were on live the whole time and I mean, I, on virtual the whole time, and we continue to be on virtual. So we tape it on Saturday night, and then we show it virtually on Sunday morning. Have you always lived in Texas? No, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and born and raised there. Where you're at now in life, was this what you always wanted to do, or did you kind of go down a certain path and then had to change paths to end up where you are today? Well, um, I made the, the decision— um, at 18 years of age to go into full-time ministry, that's when the Lord kind of redirected my path from a direction I was on in food service, actually, to uh, to ministry. And so I wound up going to Georgia and uh, uh, going to college and then going to Dallas Seminary in Dallas, and I'm still in Dallas. What are the regulations like over in Dallas right now as far as just living day to day? Well, Dallas, uh, the governor has opened it up and left every county to make its own kind of decisions. And so they have basically the CDC recommendations. But, you know, the highways are crowded now. The the uh, uh, restaurants are crowded now. And so people are, uh, are shedding uh, COVID fatigue. How do you feel about it personally? What is, what are you, you, what is your angst about trying to move forward and get back to some normalness? Well, I think, uh, you know, we've been... We've been on the more conservative side because we wanted to to show people that we were going the extra mile to be concerned about their well-being. But uh, now we're starting to open up more and more and we're walking the people along as we're trying to do that so that they see we're still trying to be uh, um, uh, wise in their health and well-being. But we don't want to be scared and we don't want to. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, uh, keep ourselves overly cautious. So we're opening up even as we are continuing to communicate with people our desire for them to be comfortable if they choose to come and that we will do everything we can to make sure that we are wise when they come. I want to try to get in your mind a little bit, uh, being a, a pastor like yourself. You have a service on Sunday, and then you start the new week Monday. What does a guy like you do? Is is Monday a day off? Uh, and what do you do on that Monday morning? Well, uh, I've become a Zoomologist. Zoom has taken over. And uh, with all the things that we're involved in with our church, but around the country, with our national ministry, we're constantly on Zoom. Uh, doing interviews related to our new book, doing interviews related to what's happening in the culture. So Monday is not not, uh, not a formal day off. We try to cut, at least cut back some on Monday. So then we go we go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. How do you build a message for that weekend? What do you do during that week? Well, most of the time I preach in series. So I have a, a series that I'm working on. And so I have a foundation that I'm building. So on uh, Tuesday... And uh, I have to have my sermon title in by Tuesday morning for the following Sunday. And then um, I do uh, my administrative stuff on Tuesday. And then beginning on Wednesday, I begin working toward the Sunday sermon. And I try to have that completed by Friday. I would say you have a pretty big staff to pull off a service each week. And a lot goes into that. And how much of that do you have to deal with on a weekly basis? Or is it just kind of, is the blueprint kind of just set up and you just, everybody knows what to do and you run with it? What is that like on a weekly basis? Well, yeah, I mean, our team has a blueprint that they operate on and um, uh, we will we will review where we're going. I'll talk to our head of worship. He oversees our media, our hospitality, our ushers, and uh, he coordinates with them. Uh, to make sure that we're on target. And by the time I'm there, they're set up and ready to go. How many years have you been in the ministry and been doing this? Well, I've been preaching for 50 years and pastoring for 45. And what do you feel like your overall agenda is? I know, and I read some of your bio and it spoke about some of the things you talk about. Is there a, is there a vein of relatability that you stay within and try to guide people with your service? Absolutely. Our, our worldview is called the kingdom agenda, which is the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. And we try to show how God's kingdom is the central theme of the Bible and of how we function in history, in your personal life, family life, church life, and cultural engagement. And all of life will fit into one of those categories. So we keep that worldview in front of our congregation. And that's why, you know, a lot of my books, Kingdom Agenda, Kingdom Man, Kingdom Woman, Raising Kingdom Kids, Kingdom Single, Kingdom Prayer, Kingdom Stewardship, and so on. And of course, the latest book, Kingdom Men Rising. Well, I I like that because I've always said that you know, people always have their thought process about what religion is and who they they follow and so forth. And I've always said, I don't think there's 12 people up there hanging out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's one, you know, and uh, I like that. That's uh, that's strong. Uh, what has been some of your most exciting times in your career? 
Well, seeing the vision take hold, the growth of our local church from 10 people to where it is now. Uh, we started in my home, and now we God has given us almost 350 acres right in the city of Dallas, where we are having a comprehensive ministry, not only to our flock, but to our community in social services, justice issues, employment issues, uh, and a whole bevy of services to the community. And then, of course, through our national ministry, the Urban Alternative, we're heard on 1,400 radio stations every day in 130 countries around the world. And uh, uh, the publishing, being the first African-American to publish a study Bible and a full Bible commentary is probably the apex of uh, all that God has allowed us to do. And you look at today's time compared to 10 years ago, right? How has things changed from your perspective and your views of just people in general? Well, of course, the changes have been at warp speed. Uh, uh, the um, cultural engagement has has deteriorated quickly. Um, we are enduring multiple pandemics, from the medical to the racial to the political to the economic to the uh, structural between police and citizens. And all these pandemics have uh, uh, stacked on top of each other where, where the definitions have changed, the definitions of reality, truth has been jettisoned in favor of opinion. Uh, there's no, there's no, uh, standard that we can seem to agree to operate on. And uh, that has even infiltrated the church. So because the church is the, is the incubator for God's kingdom, when the church is not functioning as it ought to, then the engagement with the culture it goes greatly lacking and greatly uh, uh, off base. So there are a lot of dynamics here that God has allowed to wake us up and to bring us back in the line. Do you think we can get back to that foundation of just re- realness and real information and not running on, you know, I always say that, you know, if you take a sentence, right, and that sentence has 10 words in it, people run on two to three words of information within that sentence and they don't read the whole sentence. You know, if they read the whole sentence, they might understand things a little better, you know, and it's I get frustrated with with younger people and so forth. And they operate kind of there's a foundation here and you have the top here and they operate in here. Is that similar to what you're saying? There's a little bit of dilution of information. We're getting a lot of information. We're not getting the truth. And the truth is an objective standard by which all reality is to be measured, or to put it another way, it's God's view on any subject. So so uh, when you don't have a good grasp of his position and his posture and his principles, then you're up for grabs. And everybody has an opinion because people have different frames of reference. So unless there's a standard frame of reference to which everybody's appealing, then you're not going to have unity. And wherever you have disunity, you're not going to have progress. Do you feel like there's some spiritual warfare going on right now? Oh, big time spiritual warfare. In fact, I think that's where it starts. I think our whole starting point is the fact that uh, uh, there's a battle between good and evil. And uh, unless we side on the right side consistently, evil will win. And that's why good people with God's standard must take the lead in presenting his viewpoint on the challenges we face in the culture. And they say they say that demons and you know the spiritual warfare or whatever they say demons get in with through fear. Do you think because society has created so much fear, there's more dark than light? Well, society has definitely created more fear, and uh, the demonic realm, since God does not give us a spirit of fear, definitely utilizes 
that fear to create dominance and uh, to, to create control. And so that's why we must bring, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. And uh, the, the way you're only going to overcome this is if there's radical obedience to who God is, who Christ is, and what he says. Until we, until we have radical obedience to the divine standard, we will not be able to overcome the cultural influences that allow for the evil demonic realm uh, uh, to infiltrate our thoughts and therefore our actions and as a result, our institutions. If you wanted to change something today, what would you be your first major step for the young people? Well, God is not going to change the, uh, uh, skip the church house to fix the White House. There's a spiritual revival that needs to take place where the next generation needs to see that they must make a radical return to God and a radical return away from the culture. Not because everything in the culture is wrong, but because everything in the culture needs to be evaluated and critiqued spiritually. Until that is done, then we'll be getting this... um, people being bounced around with whatever the new thing is, it comes down the pike. And we just want uh, the next generation to have a return to God that's contemporary to their culture and to their age, but not compromising with regard to truth. I've always said too, I think, you know, when you look at our political side, and I don't, I don't even do political, but if you look at political across the board on either side or whatever, I said the first politician that steps up and says, hey, we're going to help our, our kids, our young people. We're going to, you know, where do they live in the community? What are they learning in the community? What are they eating in the community? And focus on the kids, because I think that's where your foundation starts that I don't see a lot of focus on from any of our government, per se. You know, how do we how do we make that happen? And how do we get people to wake up to that? Well, that goes back to the importance of the family. Uh, when when there's family breakdown, you have children who are in trouble because they're not getting the day-to-day guidance that they're needed from God's primary source, which is mother and father. Secondary, you've got to create surrogate families for those who do not have solid families, and that's where the family of God comes in, where we need mentoring men and mentoring women who invest in those who need mentoring. So uh, the church has got to look at themselves as more than just a place to go worship on Sunday, but as a influence and uh, impact agency for uh, for the next generation to support the family and where necessary to become surrogate family. And do you see that happening with this next generation? No, not nearly to the degree it needs to happen. And that's part of our problem that uh, uh, now the reality is that the next generation. I mean, is that not where the foundation starts? Uh, because of all the change that have taken place in the culture not only socially but technologically. I mean, I mean, you know, the 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 phone, the iPhone, and, and the like, uh, and the Androids have taken over communication, have taken over relationships, have taken over intimacy, has taken over evil. I mean, because you carry that one phone around, you can you can run your whole world. So that's a new dynamic that uh, that we didn't used to have at that kind of speed. And in light of that, we've got to now, we, we can't skip it because it's everywhere and, and we, we even use it to a large degree. So we've got to interact in their world and we've got to become relevant to the influences that they are hearing uh, through the mediums that they're communicating with. And that means we have to reevaluate our ministries. Like Just like COVID has caused us to reevaluate things, we have to reevaluate now what's going to work 
in light of the changes that are impacting the next generation. Do you have a message about technology? I mean, how do we start managing that better? You know, I always say something to my daughter, get off your phone, get off your phone, just to just to tell her, get off her phone, you know, just to kind of keep it in her mind, because I don't think a lot of kids hear that. It's more about here's your phone, go away, you know. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, I do think, I mean, talk a little bit about that. I do think that the, the family needs to have that time around the table where all technology is banned. You know, where we're sitting around the table and we're not just eating, we're talking, we're communicating, we're relating, we're correcting, we're coming to understanding, we're blessing, we're having devotions. If we can have that regular time around the table, uh, that will let them see the importance of interpersonal relationships, hear from the parents and from the, their, their influencers how important decisions need to be made because now, you know, things live forever over the Internet. So uh, we need that dynamic time where we are interfacing with one another, where we have the authority to uh, not allow competing voices in the room. What do you think about the strength of these tech companies? Right. So it's a little bit it's going to be a little bit of a battle, right? It's going to be a battle. But that's what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare is a battle. So we've got to fight. We've got to decide that the fight is, fight is worth it because our children and the next generation, they are worth it. Because if we don't fight, we lose. So if you're going to lose, go down fighting. Don't go down surrendering. You have kids. You have some kids, right? Four kids, 13 grandkids, three great grandkids. Wow. <laughs> so let's start with this. Call the tribe. <laughs> let's start with the grandkids. What does grandfather tell his grandkids? Well, you know, we have a time once a month where everybody gets together, uh, all kids, grandkids, great grandkids. We have a time of prayer. We have a time of talking. I, I talk to them about what's happening in the community. I've talked to them about police and the community. And of course, they're seeing all the social conflicts that are going on today. So we talk about race and God's view, uh, juxtaposition, what this, the culture is saying. And then, of course, their parents reinforce that. So we have a regular time, and we did this with our kids growing up as well, where we are relating apart from technology. You think the system, you know, creates these creates a lot of these issues just for monetary gain? I think monetary gain is one motivation and power is another. I mean, we, we are power hungry in our culture. And, and uh, so a lot of these decisions are not in the best interest of we the people. It's in the best interest of we the we the power brokers. And so, again, if you don't have a divine standard guiding you, then then the people with the clout, the money, the influence, the position and the power will dominate you. And uh, we've been made to be free, according to Scripture. And uh, especially if you're in Christ, God expects you to operate in biblical freedom. So we've got to position that from God's point of view and not back away from it. Well, I mean, that's a. Uh... It's a very, very, very interesting thing because I think we're all human beings. You know, we we all came from the same place. I mean, we're all brothers and sisters. And, you know, and people, what gets me is sometimes when people want power, right? The ones who grasp for power are really, they're, they're the ones who are not really remembered, are they? I mean, the ones who are remembered are who the people who really change people's lives for the better and does something good, you know? And where are the heroes, 
right? You know, where are the heroes? Where are these people that you used to hear back in the day that you could kind of follow that was on the, the good side, right? And it seems like we see so much negative, negative personalities. How do we get this back to these heroes that can change people's lives and get that out there? I mean, is that just kind of running under the radar and, you know, when it's not really presented the right way? Does that make sense? I think we are missing heroes. And I think we've misdefined heroes. We've got heroes being defined as great athletes or great personalities. The heroes are people who are making a great impact in people's lives for God and for good. Those are the heroes, whether they are well-known or not. And we need to celebrate them. We, we get we get the wrong people being celebrated because they're, you know, they have certain skill sets. Well, I want to know what difference are you making for good in the lives of others? If you're not doing that, you don't qualify as a hero. Well, you're a smart dude, man. I, I, don't, I haven't talked to many pastors that have your thought process, man. That's, um, I just want to say that in the middle of this interview because I think it's um, – I think you have a great thought process and, and that's a, that's a good thing. So we, we need more people with your, your thought process because you don't hear, hear this much out there. It's not presented that much, you know, if you will. Outside of your ministry, how do you live your life? What do you do? You have any hobbies? You, you go fishing? You do anything that gets your mind away from the job? Well, I keep up with my, 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 my children's athletic, uh, prowesses. Um, uh, all of my kids are involved in something. So, um, my daughter is, is a, a, you know, well-known speaker. My other daughter is a writer and speaker. My one son played football for Baylor and then played in the NFL for a little while. My other son is a professional singer. So I just keep up involved in their lives and what they do. They're involved in my life and what I do. So we have a great family gathering. And, uh, so, so then my Martin, Dealing with my my grandson's football games, basketball games, and so I enjoy that. I'm quite a reader, so I read vociferously and uh, uh, love to read. And of course, I've written about 125 books, so so that has kept me. Wow. Busy. Are they all published? How many are published? All 125. Wow, that's a lot. You got a lot going on in that mind. Is your mind going 100 miles an hour? 24 hours a day. I try to get a nap in when I can. <laughs> what what time you get up in the morning? Um, early. I'm an early, so I'll probably get up at three, four, or five. It depends on the day. And what time you go to bed? Uh, that could be 12, one. Nice. So nice. I, I've never done a lot of a lot of sleep uh, between writing, thinking, ministering, uh, you know, counseling, and. Uh, all of that, that pretty much takes up my day. Who was the son that played football? Where did, who did he play for? Well, Jonathan Evans, he played for Baylor. Then he went to, um, let's say, uh, the Chargers, uh, the Redskins, the Bills. And he was in there about three or four years. And then he came out. He took my place as chaplain of the Cowboys. I was chaplain of the Cowboys. He took my place. Uh, and so he's still the chaplain for the Cowboys now. It's Mr. Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. You, do you know him very well? I know him. I know him somewhat. I wouldn't say very well, but I know him well enough. He, he nice. you know, he he'll, he'll acknowledge me when he sees me. When you when you when you're uh, the cha- uh, chaplain of the Cowboys, how does that work out? What is that? What is that like? Do you go over there on a the Sunday before the game, or how does that usually, process work? Chapel is usually Saturday night. Before oh, okay. The uh, what 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 my son does that I didn't do is he travels with the team. I was not able to do that because of my work on Sunday. So he is in a lot deeper than I was. Nice. So he gets a few extra perks. Y'all have a y'all have y'all a nice spot at the stadium. He gets four tickets for every game. Yeah. <laughs> well, are you a Dallas fan? 
I am. I am a Dallas fan. I'm an avid Dallas fan. I am. And when they gonna get that? When they gonna get that ring again? That shows you what happened when people don't listen to us. <laughs> what? 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 What do they need to do to get that ring again? Who they need to bring in? What they need? Well, I think they're putting the pieces together now that they signed signed Dak. It should be pointed in the right direction. We'll see this season. Nice, nice. Now, and you said you had a another what? It was a son or daughter? Son that sang. Evans, he's a professional singer and a gospel singer, and he sings all over the country and and uh, and the world because he's always somewhere in the world singing, and so um, he's uh, gotten pretty pretty high marks for his uh, music. He was on The Voice. Nice. Now, I when I started in production, I used to produce a lot of gospel concert videos. And when I would go to these 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 concerts and so forth, and it was some of the the best music I had heard, like steel guitars and and you know the horns, the you know just every instrument you can find. Is your your church have that type of band and and so forth? A band and an orchestra. Yes, so we we can cover the gamut, the range. Nice, nice. And is there a certain um, a friend of mine's Kenny Carr? He's a trombonist out of the House of Prayer. Is there a certain sound that y'all have? Is there a different sound that you have? Or I don't think we have an identifiable sound. I think we pick and choose from a lot of different different sounds. Gotcha. What do you have? What do you have? You're promoting right now. Um, I know I said you had a few things going on. What is out there right now that you're trying to plug or, or, or talk about currently? Well, our new book, uh, Kingdom Men Rising, and we're trying to show where um, uh, a lot of this, what's going on in the culture can will never be addressed until men rise up to be the men that God created them to be, to define our manhood as God defines it, not as the culture defines it, and begin to implement that in our families and our churches and in our communities. So Kingdom and Rising, the new book just came out about a week and a half ago, and that's taken off pretty pretty rapidly. And so we're excited to challenge men. Do you do any content or short short content? Like a like a little a narrative, like here's a here's a message, here's a message for social media. Have you ever done anything like that? We have um of course, we have a week uh, daily radio broadcast, uh, a weekly TV broadcast, and then we have uh, on social media all the time clips of things that people can benefit from. When's the radio broadcast? It varies based on the market, but we also have the Tony Evans uh, app, and that you can get it at any time every day. Oh, okay, you got an app. You got an app. You're a big deal. <laughs> That's a big deal. <laughs> Is that right? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we got it at. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, I like your message. We touched on a few things. I mean, you've been doing a, a lot of good for a long time. What are your goals the next five years? What do you, where do you want to move the needle in society? And I know we talked, we touched on that. What is your, is, is there like a, a goal or are you just staying on the message we talked about and we're just, we're headed that direction? Well, there is a goal uh, on our website, TonyEvans.org. We have a three-point plan for communities to begin healing by bringing churches together across racial, cultural, and class lines to, to, to be the impetus for community unity and transformation, which involves three things. A solemn assembly, where the churches gather to call people together in unity, then speaking with one voice so people can hear God's perspective on the issues, and then thirdly, doing good works, things that can be visibly seen 
working, where we're benefiting the community, like adopting every school, adopting the police, all the police precincts, uh, adopting homeless families. So people can see that when the spiritual becomes visible, it produces transformation. And if you get that done in enough communities, you can begin the healing process that the whole nation needs to see, hear, and feel. Do you think that there's more energy coming from the universe now than any time in history? Well, I think, let me put it this way, energy in the universe for me has to do with God's work in time and space. And so it becomes very personal. And I believe God is is very involved in everything that's happening. It has a purpose tied to it. And the ultimate purpose is for him to advance his plan in history. And sometimes he has to allow disruption for that to be accomplished. We got a lot of negative perpetuation of negative, which is is not good. And you keep perpetuating that thing. Something's got to change. So uh, I hope we're we're going to turn this curve and make things get better. And I, I I think you're someone that people need to listen to. I mean, I think you have a great narrative, and uh, I love it. I mean, that's it's uh, that's a good deal, man. I mean, it's uh, I worry about my daughter every day, you know, and know, what's going to happen. Well, thank you very much, and I, I appreciate your heart and the difference that you want to make as well. We touched on some great things today, and I don't want to hold you up. I'm sure you're a busy guy, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Hopefully, we covered everything that we thank needed you. to cover. And uh, yes, this is uh, Dr. Tony Evans. I'm John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.